if you're trying to look for a six-man kid who's going to run for 2,000 yards this year, it might be Dalton Peters. to the Wyo Sports Podcast. I am your host, David Graff. I am sorry that we have taken kind of a long break. It was pretty emotional and heartbreaking when University of Wyoming and the Mountain West Conference announced that there would be no Cowboy football this fall. So we've kind of just been thinking, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? Well, guess what? Last Friday there was some high school football in the state of Wyoming. And Robert was following along with a bunch of games from around the state. All of Cheyenne's teams opened up the season on the road, so he was unable to attend any games in person. But he talked with some coaches, and we're going to talk with Patrick Schmidt from wyoming-football.com about the opening weekend of high school football from around the state of Wyoming in this episode. So if you love high school football, it's a great time to be a high school football fan in the state of Wyoming. There is no other football happening anywhere in the Mountain West region, really, because the Pac-12 and the Mountain West aren't playing football. And so... And neither is Nebraska, so you can't just jump over the Big Ten. It's all about the high school kids now. They're going to get a prime opportunity to shine, and we're going to talk about them on this podcast. Robert's going to share what he learned, what he listened to, what he heard, and anything high school football-related from that opening weekend. And then we're going to talk to Patrick Schmidt from wyoming-football.com about his observations from the opening weekend of high school football from around the state. And then we're going to wrap it up here with some Rockies and Broncos talk. The Rockies made a few moves at the trade deadline. And guess what? College football might not be happening in Wyoming, but the Denver Broncos are still playing football this season. And the NFL season actually kicks off a week from this Thursday, my Houston Texans are going to get demolished, demolished by Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs on opening night on Thursday night football with Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth. You know, fun fact, and then I'll get to Robert. Al Michaels claims he has never had a vegetable in his life, a fruit or a vegetable. I swear to you. Where'd you hear that? I swear to you. you I swear to you, look it up anywhere. He claims to have never in his life eaten a fruit or a vegetable. He just eats steak and potatoes every night. Every single night he has a steak and potatoes. Allegedly. That's according to him. Now, I'm not Al Michaels. I've never met Al Michaels. I've never had Did he say why? Did you say why? I'm guessing he's just like me, and he just doesn't like fruit or vegetables. Why eat fruit or vegetables when you can have a steak? 
and French fries. I don't know. Some vegetables are delicious, man. I, I don't know how he hasn't had multiple hard episodes in the Sunday Night Football broadcast booth as a result of his diet because he's over 72. He's he's up there. So I, I just a fun fact. But after that fun fact, let's get to the fun man, the guy who's going to give us all the information this episode, Robert Munoz. Robert, how are you doing today? Not that fun, man, and I don't know if I have too much information for you, but uh, I'm doing well, David. I haven't seen you in a couple weeks. You're looking well. You're looking tan. You've been been getting some of that SoCal sun. Been playing golf as much as I can, trying to get outside. It's finally cooling off the last, like, two weeks. I've been sweating inside my own house because it's been over in the hundreds and Yesterday it was like I think the high was only like ninety three, so it was it was it's been pretty great out here. Awesome, man! Sounds good. Hitting the links, so I like to hear. Working on your golf game, but yeah, man, whole lot of high school football. Week zero was on Friday. Not every team in the state played, but all four A teams played, and all three Cheyenne schools, like you mentioned, were on the road. And only one of them came away with a victory. Cheyenne Central went up to Natrona County and Casper, pulled off a late victory, rallied from behind, scored a couple late touchdowns. I didn't listen to that game. Jeremiah was listening to that game. But uh sounded like it was a real good one from what I understand. Shout out to Jeremiah, the chief editor at YO Sports, and the guy who lets us do this. So what what were what was the game that you were listening to specifically? I'd have to say it was the best game of the week from what I saw, what I read, what I heard. Um, Cheyenne East at Thunder Basin. And it was pretty interesting because halftime is tied 7-7, seven, 7-0. Seven, seven and then the offenses broke loose. There were, I think, there were five touchdowns scored in the last like six minutes of the game or something. It was pretty, pretty crazy. He scored a touchdown with two minutes and twenty-seven seconds left in the ball game to take a one-point lead, and somehow, some way, Thunder Basin overcame some adversity. And went down the field, scored the game-winning touchdown. He had the ball, last possession of the game, just not enough time. Ran out, of, ran out of time, couldn't find the end zone for one last time to get that victory. That'll happen to you sometimes in high school football. Those games are crazy. Honestly, they are absolutely insane. Some you never know what's going to happen. You think that. It's a defensive slugfest, like it's 7-7 at halftime, and then all of a sudden an offensive explosion breaks out. So what what were your reactions after the game? What, what did coaches, anybody tell you after that game? Well, I was thinking that the defenses might have gotten a little tired, you know. First game of the season, a little fatigued, just and then offenses broke open. 
only talked to Cheyenne's coach, Chad Goff, following the game, post-game. I didn't talk to him for long. I mean, said, How, how's it going? How was the game? What your thoughts? He was proud of his team to step up and battle. They didn't, they didn't back down. They battled. Said he was real proud of his offensive line. Who opened up that offensive side of the ball for his team? They got the run game going, which opened up the passing game and allowed the all state quarterback, Graydon Buell, to do his thing. It was just sounded like a great game. I was listening, yeah, listen to it. Keith Kelly on the call, KFBC. It was a great game, man. And I really wish I could have been there to cover it. Speaking of that offensive line, it's like Coach Goff mentioned to us over the summer, Dakota Heckman was a guy to watch this season. He was going to be the engine of this team. He was going to lead them both on the field and off the field, so it's nice to hear that he got them out to a nice push. How do you think that Cheyenne East can improve going forward? I don't know, man. Everybody can improve. There's this first week of the season. They're going to improve on every position, at every position, on both sides of the ball. They have great coaching staff over there, so I mean they're they're going to improve absolutely. They just it just sucks they lost that first game of the season and be a little little behind. Going to have to claw back just a little bit though. I mean just one game. It's not like they're going to miss the postseason. I don't think so. Anyway, it's going to be good good football year for four A. Both the Cheyenne Central and Cheyenne East are going to be great, is what it seems like to me. Cheyenne South is on the lower end, but that's all right. They're still going to compete. Still going to try and go out there and compete. And run, rounding out of the big four, Sheridan, Natrona County, and now Thunder Basin's up there. 4A is going to be a anybody's, anybody's title this year. It's going to be really interesting to see. I know you were really, really high on Cheyenne East coming into this season. They lose the opening game to Thunder Basin. What do you think that says about Thunder Basin as a team? Oh, yeah, they're going to be good, of course. Gillette has always been good, and now they've split up into those two schools a couple years back, and Thunder Basin just seems to be producing better football players at this point in time. but. Yeah, Thunder Basin is going to be great. I don't know. Maybe if they, uh, maybe if they came and played down at Cheyenne East, East would have won. Who knows? It's one possession type of ball game there. Yeah, those bus rides are never fun in high school sports, or they're kind of fun going there. The excitement, but after you lose, there is nothing worse than sitting there all sweaty with a bunch of guys that also lost. So, yeah, it's definitely not the way you wanted to start the season, but at least Coach Goff is confident in his guys and in his game plan. Coach Goff, a friend of the podcast, really, really appreciate him giving us some information going into this season and appreciate him talking to Robert after this particular opening game. What's on the docket for this week's high school football schedule? Run down this week's matchups for me if you can. Well, uh, it's looking like East will be hosting Natrona. And 
Cheyenne Central will be hosting Kelly Walsh. Both of those teams are 1-0 after Kelly Walsh put a nice little beating down on uh, Cheyenne South last week. I think it was running clock about midway through the third quarter or something. I don't remember what the final score was. It was 50-plus points, though. It was a was the margin of that victory. So, yeah, South's looking at another, another tough game at home. At least they're at home. This Friday, they're going to be hosting the Sheridan Bronx. It's going to be a tough, tough game for them again. But, I mean, they're only going to get better. Hopefully, they can, they can – like I said, they're still going to try and go out there and compete. So, I think uh, the Natrona East game will probably be the best game in the – in town in Cheyenne this week, even though Central and Kelly Walsh are both one and zero, I believe Central is probably the better team. Natrona and East is always, always, always a battle, dating back to that state championship game in 2014. East versus Natrona. There are three players from that state championship game who are playing in the NFL right now. Pretty impressive. That's big time, especially in a state like Wyoming. Three players to go Division One is a big deal, but three guys making the NFL. I think if you're a loyal listener, you probably know who those three guys are. So I'll let Robert spoil them if he wants, or you can just look it up. Just Google it. Have a little have a little homework on the podcast. That's what we're going to give you is a little homework if you don't know the answer to that one. Right now, we're going to keep talking high school football, but we're going to be joined by Patrick Schmidt from wyoming-football.com. He has pretty much an endless stream of information, database, whatever you want to call it. If you need high school football stats, from the state of Wyoming, Patrick is your guy. Go to wyoming-football.com. He's got everything, everything, and he's really tuned into the high school football scene. He knows a little bit more about the Casper area than Robert or I do, so we're going to talk to him about those two teams up there and just kind of get his view of how he sees it around the state. I know Robert is really, really high on Cheyenne's high school football this season. I'm not going to spoil any predictions. Maybe they'll come out later, but he thinks each school is big time in the city of Cheyenne and should maybe be gearing up for a little state championship run. Just tease that later on. So right now we're going to be joined by Patrick Schmidt from wyoming-football.com. And then after the interview, We'll get to some Denver Broncos and Colorado Rockies. All right, we are super excited now to talk to a guy who knows way too much about Wyoming high school football, Patrick Schmidt of wyoming-football.com. Patrick, how are you doing today? Doing good. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Well, we needed somebody to get in here to give us a rundown of the whole state of Wyoming. But first, before we jump into this 2020 season, tell us a little bit about yourself and your background, your introduction to uh, Wyoming high school football. Well, I was a reporter for the Casper Star Tribune way back, long time ago, left there about 
11 years ago. Uh, and I, in between my time covering high school sports and, and now I helped put together wyoming-football.com, which really has two focus areas. One is it's a game-by-game log of every game ever played by any team in the state. It goes all the way back to the 1890s. It's 25,000-plus games that I've logged now. Uh, and then it's also keeping up with what's new and, and talking about what's happening now. And that's, I'm so glad we get to talk about that today. Yeah, what what's the inspiration? That's quite the undertaking. I mean, you said over 25,000 games. What's the inspiration behind just keeping it going? Well, I decided a long time ago, I started this project in college, and I decided it was, uh, at, the, at the outset, I decided it was a lifetime project. It was never going to be done, because there's always going to be new games every year. And so I decided way back when I was 19, 20, that, this was just going to be something I was going to be adding to until, until the day I die. And, you know, some people go fishing or go hiking or have a garden. Like, this is my hobby. This is what I do. This is how I relax is look up high school football records and, and write about it. That's a lot of fun. And, and, and I, I can't think of any better way to spend my free time. Well, we've got kind of a very interesting season with the COVID kind of hanging over everything. So how do you think that's going to impact this entire season? Do you think it will impact high school football? Obviously, numbers in Wyoming aren't as high as places like California where you and I are at. So what's your take on that for this 2020 season? Well, I think it's already affected the season. I mean, we've already had two programs in the state who have canceled their seasons completely in in St. Stephen's and Wyoming Indian they're not going to play at all. So it's already affected things. And the, the going methods across the country seem to have been when there's a positive uh, COVID something that happens, they shut everything down for, for two weeks. So if there's a, like one positive player on a team, that team's probably out of commission for two weeks. And I think it's naive to think that with uh, all the teams across the state, there won't be a single positive case among any players. So I think it's a matter of when, not if. And hopefully it's a matter of containment. Hopefully people take it seriously enough to not let it ruin their entire season that they can get through the time they need to get through. And hopefully by the time the playoffs roll around in October uh, and November, then everyone will be healthy enough and hopefully the curve is on a downward slope enough that it doesn't affect people's playoff chances and championship chances. That hopefully... If things go bad, let them go bad early so we can still have teams chase after a championship late uh, in the fall. So fingers crossed that'll be the case. I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic uh, because the first week has, has you know went and come and gone and we're, we're still here and still doing okay. But I, I think it's naive to think that nothing's going to happen for the next two months. Yeah, absolutely. Fingers crossed. Um, obviously, week zero last Friday, I want to ask you, what was your, what was the biggest surprise to you following last week's game? The biggest surprise for me in, in zero week, cause it's, it's mostly the 4A schools who are really kicking things off that first week. It's was Cheyenne East losing. <laughs> I did. I had Cheyenne East as my number one team in, in 4A this year. And I thought they might be able to run the table. The fact they'd lost their very first game right out of the gate. I'm not surprised because they lost to Thunder Basin and Thunder Basin is an excellent program. 
and they were runners up last year. They were 11 and one. They were everything that you could hope, but they also lost a lot. Cheyenne East, I thought was going to be right there. I figured it'd be a close game and Cheyenne East would get this nice big road victory to start the season and didn't go that way. <laughs> so, so the fact that East lost and East lost at all was kind of surprising. Uh, but that said, that was an excellent game. It was so good. I was able to catch bits and pieces of it on the live stream and it was, it was so well played. And you normally don't see that in August football. You don't see teams playing that well that early. And so the fact that, that they were both there, that they were both in kind of that, that maybe mid-October form in August was really cool to see. And even though he's lost, I mean, they're still going to be a really excellent team. But I was surprised to see him lose. Yeah, it was an awesome game. I was listening to listen to it on the radio, listening to Keith Kelly call it on the radio. And uh, so, you, I mean, obviously that's, you, you were high on East. You still are high on high on East. What do you think that sets them up for the remainder of the season, that loss there? Well, I actually wrote about this a couple of weeks ago in my blog, and it's can a team lose the first game out and then win a championship? And we haven't seen it in 4A in, in, since 2009, and the last team to do that was, was Sheridan in 2009. They lost their first one and, and then ran the table. But it happened in 2009. It happened in 2008. It happened in 2007, and then I think it happened in 2005. Like, so there's a big chunk of time there where teams lost their first games and then just went crazy. So that might be what happens. And I think, I think it's better to lose, certainly it's better to lose in now than it is to lose in November. And that's what Thunder Basin ran into last year, was they didn't lose all season, and then they got that championship game and hadn't had the chance to learn from losing yet. And so when they lost that championship game, it was, it was just the end, and they, they – I think you're going to see East learn a lot from the loss. And they probably would learn more from the loss than they would if they had actually won the game. So it's probably a nice little motivator for them too. Yeah, I could absolutely agree with you on that. Um, I just finished writing up a story on Pine Bluffs and 1A and their transition into nine-man football. And I was kind of curious, what, what are you thinking about that, that whole 1A class playing into nine-man football now? It's so interesting because it's been so long since nine man. I mean, we haven't had nine man in Wyoming since what, 1994. So the fact that they're bringing it back, I I brought it up in my season preview. It's, it's two groups of misfits. It's the teams that were in six man that really wanted something more. And it was the teams who were in 11 man who wanted something a little bit less. And you throw those two in a group and who knows what's going to happen. It's going to be a lot of fun. I think, uh, I think it's going to be really competitive, too, and that's going to be even more interesting as the, the competitiveness uh, really looks like a pretty even classification. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see how it turns out. But um, it, it has kind of changed things, too, because now you're not getting those nine-man teams playing. You know, Pine Bluffs isn't going to play Burns. You know, you're not going to get that kind of interclass competition that you would have had maybe maybe last year or the year before. Uh, but I, I, in talking with the coaches in that nine-man division, it's going to be kind of a mess the first year as they figure it out uh, and learn the game. But but by the end of the season, this season, and I think certainly by next season, they're going to be on point. We've talked a lot about Cheyenne East and the Cheyenne – area high schools so what's a team that we should be paying attention to obviously you mentioned earlier 
Thunder Basin is really good, and they kind of upset, if you want to call it an upset in high school football. What's a team that we should be paying attention to from around the state that's not in Cheyenne? I think, I mean, there, there's two that I really look at, and they're two in two different classifications. The 4A schools, you have to talk about Sheridan because they've won four of the last five 4A championships. So you can't overlook them. And, of course, they, they won last week, beat Laramie, and, and looked really, really good in doing so. Uh, so you have to you have to talk about Sheridan. And then literally like 10 miles down the road from Sheridan, is Bighorn and Bighorn is one of those. I think there there are three teams that decided they didn't want to play Class One A nine man and moved up to Two A to keep playing eleven man. And Bighorn was one of those, and they've won so many games, so many championships over the last like seven eight years. And of course, won back to back titles. Has won twenty twenty one twenty two in a row entering this year, and now they're moving up in class. And they're good enough to run the table again. They could be at 30, 32, 33 consecutive victories by the time it's all said and done this year. They're, they're, and if that happens, then you're starting to talk state record about, how, you know, can they hit the state record for consecutive victories? And I think that's going to be something that a lot of people are going to be keeping an eye on this year because they're, they're, they're just stacked. They're absolutely stacked for a two. They would have been stacked for a 1A team they're still stacked even for a two eighteen. So they're going to be fun to watch. Oh, listen, yeah, I'm looking, looking forward to Bighorn and Cokeville. And I think those guys uh, jumped up to two a as well. Um, mm-hmm. Your high school fo- football guide just came out. You just released that. Would you care to, I mean, would you talk a little bit about that for us, please? Sure. So I put out a high school football magazine in, in conjunction with some, some folks who, they, I, I work with some people who sell the ads and actually do the printing and publishing and, and do the layout, but I do the writing and that's uh, an opportunity for me to talk to every single head coach in the state. And so over the summer between May 15th and July 15th, I talked with every single head coach and this year I was able to do that with every school except for one. There was only one coach I couldn't get a hold of and it was 10 sleep and 10 sleep because they hadn't hired a coach yet. It was the only reason I couldn't get a hold of the 10 sleep coach but I was able to talk to every single other coach and at length about their plans for the season and what they want to do. And, and it ends up being a pretty comprehensive look at the whole state. And that's, that's awesome. I love being able to do that. And I, I really appreciate all the coaches because they, they are so generous with their time and hook me up with all kinds of good information. And uh, through that, I'm able to, you know, help people figure out what's, what is a big deal and what isn't a big deal? Like when, um, when these games start to happen, especially this opening weekend, what's going to be surprising and what's going to be not so surprising? And, and this, is, this guide really helps me figure that out and helps me inform everyone who's a high school football fan, which is the whole point. Yeah, it's great, man. Everybody make sure to check that out. You just talked about teams that we should be paying attention, attention to in the state, but – I'm kind of curious, who is the team that's kind of flying under the radar in the state, do you think? Hmm. Boy, that, that, that's a tough one because I think there's, there's uh, some pretty clear delineations, especially, I mean, in 4A and 3A, there's some pretty clear delineations between teams that are good 
and teams that are still trying to be good, uh, to put it kindly, that they're, they're still learning. But I think there are, you know, if I had to pick a team that is, you know, absolutely coming out of the, out of the woodwork, like nobody's ever thought that they would, they would do much. Um, I, I really like to think about, I, I, we'll go back to that nine man class and there's, there's a program in there. It's Rocky mountain. Okay. Rocky mountain. I, I have them in my season preview. I have them going to the championship game, probably losing to Southeast, but Rocky mountain is a, is a program that hasn't won a playoff game this century. Now they haven't won a playoff game. I think since 99. Uh, and this is going to be a, a huge breakthrough opportunity for them because they have, I think it's 10 seniors and, they've been waiting for this year. And I think unless you're really paying attention to that nine man class, they're really easy to overlook because they have more, they made that transition from 11 man to nine man. And now they have more returning starters than they have starting positions available, which is kind of funny, um, but they're, they're going to be so, so good this year. And it's going to be interesting to watch that all come together because the program two years ago was forfeiting games because they didn't have enough players. And now they, they could be playing for state championships. All summer long on this podcast, we tried to highlight individual players. We asked coaches from around the state to tell us who we should be paying attention to. Who are a couple of kids that really deserve some shine, in your opinion? I, and, and not to overemphasize the Cheyenne angle, but I think Cheyenne has probably the most dynamic player in the state, and that's Graydon Buell, uh, their quarterback, who was the 4 Offensive Player of the Year last year as a junior that never happens. You never name the junior, you know, player of the year. It's always a senior. And he won it as a junior. He's back. I think he's going to be really interesting to watch. I think Central's got maybe the best receiver in the state, Cheyenne Central, and, and Andrew Johnson, who, who crushed it last year, almost 1,000 yards receiving, uh, led the, I believe led the state. And, and then there's another guy, uh, you know, Central's – we haven't even talked about Central yet, but Central's got tons of talent. Uh, and there's another guy in Central, I, I highlighted him in my preview, Carter Lovatos, who there's not too many guys who can do the, the running back, linebacker combo at the 4A level and play both to an exceptional level, and he does. He's an excellent running back, and he's an excellent linebacker. And, and uh, you know, you just don't see that in 4A very much anymore. Uh, somebody who can dominate both sides of the ball, and, and he's definitely one of those guys. So I think I think if you're looking at 4A, those three really jump off the page. Uh, the, the problem in the rest of the classes was the rest of the classes, they lost so many players. There were so many players who graduated from those 3A and 2A and 1A teams that, that there's not – I mean, there's guys who stand out, but I don't think anyone who might be able to control the game the way that it's going to be controlled in 4A by, by those guys that I just mentioned. Uh, although I will throw out one more name, if that's all right. A guy, a guy y'all may have never heard of on the football field, but you should and you will by the end of the year, and his name's Dalton Peterson. He's from Encampment, and he's one of their best basketball players. You know, he's taken them to state a whole bunch, like really excellent basketball player. And Encampment just brought football back last year, played a JV schedule. This is their first year back on varsity, and he's their senior leader. And uh, when I talk to the six-man coaches, they're always like, "This kid, you know, watch out for this kid because he's gonna he's gonna tear it up." So uh, if you're interested in if you're trying to look for a six-man kid who's gonna run for two thousand yards this year, it might be Dalton Peterson. 
Well, well, we'll certainly keep an eye on that. 2,000 yards is quite the accomplishment. Doesn't matter what the level is. We'll wrap it up here. But first, I want to know, where can people connect with you outside of checking out all of your work at wyoming-football.com? Where, where can people connect with you? So I've got a Twitter account. It's at Wyoming Football, where people can follow along. And then I'm also on Facebook. If you just search wyoming-football.com on Facebook, uh, I'll pop right up. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Patrick, from wyoming-football.com. Really appreciate your time and can't wait to talk to you again probably throughout this high school football season. I'd love it. Thanks for having me on. All right, and we're back here to talk about the Rockies and the Broncos in a quick wrap-up of this episode. We really appreciate Patrick Schmidt for coming on from wyoming-football.com. He is the guy for Wyoming high school football information, so really appreciate him. But now we're going to talk about the big guys, the guys who do this for a living, for a living. They get paid to play a sport. Sounds pretty neat. Wish I was better at them so I could do the same thing. I'm going to start with the Rockies here. The MLB trade deadline was on August 31st. The Rockies actually made a few moves, a few minor moves, but they're only a half game out of the playoff picture in the NL. And they picked up outfielder Kevin Pillar from the Boston Red Sox and Baltimore Orioles reliever Michael Givens. Now, fun fact about Kevin Pillar. I know I'm, I'm just dealing them out today. I'm dealing out fun facts. I might as well be a dealer at a casino if it came to fun facts today. Kevin Pillar actually got a vote for the National League MVP last year, and he finished 30th in the NL MVP voting with the San Francisco Giants. That blows my mind. Boggles my mind. But now he's a member of the Colorado Rockies. I'm going to give my quick thoughts. I don't think this team is good enough to make the postseason since the combination of Trevor Story, Nolan Arenado, and Charlie Blackman are the only guys that go up to the plate and you're like, they could get a hit. The rest of them, no. No way. They're not reaching base. They got to get hit by a pitch. Or thrown four balls. There's no way they're getting on base. So I don't see this team going very far. Robert might have a very different opinion. What do you think, Robert, even after these moves with Kevin Pillar, Michael Givens, the bullpen's a little bit better. It's surprisingly good. But the offense has been not my favorite. No, when they hit, when they put up runs, they don't pitch well. And when they pitch well, they can't score. So the two are never on the same page. I don't know why that is, why that has to be, but no, the Rockies definitely are not going to make it to the playoffs, especially with the emergence of the Padres. The Padres are good. They just got Mike Clevenger from the Cleveland Indians. The Padres are good, man. Yeah, the Padres basically overhauled their entire team. They added Mike Clevenger, who had fallen out of favor in – Cleveland, after he lied about going out to a restaurant in Chicago, basically they were just giving him away and the Padres were like, hey, we'll take him. We'll give you a little bit of stuff. And uh, that's kind of how he ended up on the Padres. Padres also added 
Greg Allen in that trade. They added Austin Nola, a catcher from the Seattle Mariners. Jason Castro, a catcher from the Angels. Mitch Moreland, a DH slash first baseman from the Red Sox. And I think they made another move or two. They added Trevor Rosenthal from the Kansas City Royals, a resurgent Trevor Rosenthal, a late-inning reliever. If you've watched any Padres games, as I have living here in Southern California, their bullpen stinks. It's awful. But that lineup now, top to bottom, might as well be the 1928 Yankees. I don't know how good they were, but they were the ones right after the Murderer's Row Yankees. Fernando Tatis Jr. is probably going to win the MVP. You got Manny Machado. You got Eric Hosmer. Trent Grisham, who they absolutely stole from the very Milwaukee. Very low-key Machado as well. Machado's been very just under the radar. Yeah. Machado won NL Player of the Week last week. Basically, what I'm saying is the Padres are going to win it all, so the Rockies have no chance anyways. Don't worry about them. So let's wrap it up. We'll talk some more baseball as we go down the stretch here for sure. Brandon Nimmo, Cheyenne native, having a pretty nice season with the New York Mets. So we'll we'll, we'll talk more baseball as we go down the stretch. It's, it's exciting over halfway through, and it's even more exciting because the trade deadline has happened. Your team is set. This is your team. This is how you're going to be. So we'll see what happens. Maybe some 07 magic will happen. I don't know. Denver Broncos, they're slated to kick off their season next week. Need some NFL action in my life. And so I'm going to end the podcast with this question for Robert. Don't bet your mortgage on it, please. Okay, we don't need that kind of karma coming back on us in case uh, we're wrong here. But Robert, the current regular season win total for the Denver Broncos is set at seven and a half wins. Are you going over or under that number? I don't have a mortgage, so I'll just bet my mom's, I guess, um, over all day. The Broncos can win eight games easily. Uh, I don't know. Maybe not with no fans, but they still have that mile-high home field advantage. They're going to beat the Chiefs at home this year. They're going to I don't, they're going to surprise a lot of people. They're winning at least eight games. 500, I, I don't see how that's not possible. I don't know. Maybe, who am I? I don't know anything. But I think the Broncos will win at least eight games. Mark it down. The Broncos are going to beat the Chiefs at home this year. That's that's the game that you want to circle. They're going to beat the Chiefs at home in Denver at Mile High. That should be a classic if that's going to happen. Drew Locke is going to have to. Drew Locke is going to have to just go off. I'm talking off, off to beat Kansas City. In Denver, maybe not though. I don't know. the The, the defense is pretty much the same coming back. They lost Chris Harris. The offense added Melvin Gordon. They added they added Jerry Judy. They added KJ Hamler. The offense has got speed, so maybe they can keep up with him. I don't know. We'll see. Anything else you want to add up about the Broncos before we wrap this one up, Robert? 
just big shout out to Jacob Bob and Meyer for taking that starting position as the Denver Broncos' long snapper. And that's one of those three players who played in that 2014 state championship game that we had just mentioned. So big props to him and representing. Also the very first guest on the YO Sports podcast. So big shout out to him. We're going to be cheering him on. Hopefully he has... No Austin P. long snapper episodes. I don't know if you watch that FCS college football game kickoff game between Austin P. and UCA, but Austin P. on their very first punt attempt, the long snapper, he's the backup long snapper, the regular long snapper, had to be quarantined because he had a roommate or something test positive for COVID, so he wasn't able to travel with the team. So the backup came in. Very first time, time to shine. You're on ESPN. It's prime time. It's Saturday night. He shoots that ball 30 yards over the punter's head. I don't know how the punter was able to still get back, pick up the ball, and get a punt off. The punt didn't make it back to the line of scrimmage, but unbelievable. Hopefully, Bob Meyer, I didn't just jinx him, and now that's going to happen. I don't know. Doubt it. He's a pro. He's not Austin P. He's a pro. So really looking forward to the stretch of the Rocky season and the kickoff to the NFL season along with the Broncos and their revamped offense. We'll wrap this episode up. Really appreciate you guys listening. Really appreciate everybody that has subscribed and rated to the podcast. It is awesome to see those ratings pouring in. So I really appreciate that as well as to all of the people who have gone to the link in the description and thrown us a few shekels. Shout out to those folks. Those are too generous. Those pe- those are good people. We really appreciate them and everything they do to support the p- support this podcast as well as shout out to Jeremiah at YO sports for letting us do this thing and for, you know, giving us a platform to uh, get this thing off the ground. So we really appreciate him as well. Also, shout out to our radio competitor, Keith Kelly, for getting the play-by-play job for the University of Wyoming women's basketball team. Congratulations to him on that honor. It is well-deserved. He is the best at what he does in the state of Wyoming. So, Really happy for him. As well as shout out to Patrick Schmidt, our guest today from wyoming-football.com. Go check him out. Go check out wyoming-football.com. If you need any Wyoming high school sports information, it is the place to visit. As well as shout out to Shakewell for the music. And I promise, sorry about the break. It was it was an emotional time. Having I've been to a little deal, busy. Having Sorry. to deal. Sorry. Having to deal with uh, no Wyoming football. So we just. I'm trying to get a job as well. Trying to get employed. So we've been busy, but uh, we'll be back next week to talk more Wyoming high school football. And who knows? Maybe the Nuggets will have gotten to the second round. Go Nuggets.
Shout out any suggestions, baby 